0: Hey, welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Woolley. He's a clinical psychologist. True. <laughs> True. Man, a man of few words he is. Yeah. You know, what? honestly, people ask me all the time, what's it like working with Dr. Matt? And I go, it's amazing. <laughs> no, they do I swear, they, they do. Really? You know, I probably get more <laughs> questions from the public about how they can get in to see Dr. Matt. Yeah. I, and I'm not kidding you. And I know you've got a full client list and, 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 and you're, you're you're always working. But they're always like, man, I would feel like he would be the best therapist. The thing I love about the way you do your therapy is that- You meet everybody at their level. You know what I mean? You don't use big words. You don't try to confuse anybody. And you just try to get to the root of whatever's going on and help them that way. And that's what I mean. You worked with both of my kids. Well, thanks, man. That's a nice compliment. And and, and I think you're amazing. And so I really I probably get more questions about you than Mm. anything else.
1: Not not about my shoes or anything, but the, the No, about stuff. the way
0: you do therapy. Oh, okay. okay yeah, 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 yeah. And so, hey, yeah. I wanted to tell you something. And yeah. normally, uh, I don't get my recovery advice from, well, I guess I do. I get it from Facebook and Instagram quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but I was watching this thing with- We're, Ro- we're
1: renaming those the Casey Library. Yeah, and no. I was
0: watching this thing about Robert Downey Jr. Okay. And I, you know, every, like this younger- He's, gen- an, he's
1: a crazy story. A oh, recovery. it's an amazing yeah. story.
0: And I've actually partied with him. Up at Sundance. <laughs> of course you have. Yeah. And it was insane. And this is when he was going through his drug-fueled time. This yeah. is when he woke up in the neighbor's house in one of the children's bedroom and almost went to prison. I mean, it was it was a crazy time for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Now, like, my daughter thinks Robert Downey Jr. could do no wrong.
1: Right. I mean, right.
0: he's just the epitome of cool. Uh, I Googled the other day to find out how old he is because I wanted to see where I measured up against him. Where, how old is he? He's 58. 58. Really? That's all. Huh? And he looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. But people don't realize that he went through this kind of troublesome time. right? And he was talking, uh, and this was like an old video of him talking with Oprah Winfrey. Mm. And he told Oprah, he goes, well, it's not as hard as everybody thinks. And Oprah's like, are you telling me that addiction is not as hard as everyone thinks? And he goes, well, no, hear me out. The staying sober part is not as hard as everybody thinks. The hardest part of battling addiction is making your mind up to stop. He goes, that's the toughest part about it. That's the hardest part. Deciding when enough is enough, when you've given up and said, I cannot do this anymore. He goes, that's the battle. Staying sober, like some days it's a big fight. Some days it's a little fight. Some days I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. That's not as bad as everyone thinks. The biggest fight is deciding this is what I'm not going to do anymore. Yeah, I can see that. You know, because I think for so many times.
1: That's like accepting something's a rock bottom. Yep. And making that mindset shift. Thoughts,
0: feelings, behaviors, like we talk about on the show. Yeah, I, I get that. And that's the toughest part. And that's really because, I mean, I'll run into people in day to day and they go like, every day it must be just so tough. And I want to go. And, and and sometimes I don't say anything because I don't want them to think that I'm, I'm, I'm taking it too lightly. Right. Or I go, yeah. But sometimes I go, no, it's, it, it, it's not as bad as you would think. Like some days I don't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, some days I, it's all I think about. But there's a lot of time that goes by that it, it, it's not tough. It, I'm not battling it daily. And well, you're changing
1: neural pathways. Your brain is literally growing and changing in positive ways. That doesn't mean it won't be a struggle, but
0: yeah. Not going to the gym will throw me for a bigger loop mm. these days that, mm-hmm. you, you know, that, that will really ruin my day. That I would like, something just doesn't feel right. And I was like, oh, I didn't get to go to the gym this morning. That will throw me for a loop. But that's the thing is, is when you're battling addiction and you know things are going bad mm-hmm. and you what you're doing now is negotiating with the disease um, and trying to figure out how you can keep your foot in both worlds, because that's, that's mm-hmm. what keeps people in the rock bottom for the longest is they think, yeah, you know, I got I'm one.
1: I'm just going to dabble. Just, I can, I can keep it under control.
0: I, I you know, I, I've seemed to stream three months together where it didn't seem to be a problem. Maybe this time's going to be different. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that cycle will go on for years. Oh, sure. And or it's a not, lifetime. Yeah. hundred percent. It's not until you go, I'm done with this, mm-hmm. but making your mind up and coming to that conclusion and getting behind it—that is the toughest part. Well, it was for me, anyways, and Robert Downey Jr.
1: Well, you guys, you know what you're talking about. You, you partied know,
0: together, and M&M. Eminem, <laughs> Eminem yeah, yeah, Eminem, same thing. M&M, same thing. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people who have come through uh, addiction on the other side. Yeah, and, and, and are killing it and and just doing wonderful things. I think I think
1: uh, what he's saying makes complete sense from a psychological standpoint because it sends you down a very different path than the you know holding out maybe someday i'll return to it maybe i can keep it under control that's just keeping it in right in front of you right and that's the disease and making the true decision to quit yeah
0: yeah and just saying i'm done and how many times have we had people sit down in that chair right there and say i just got sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah i dragged it on way too long And, and 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 that's the thing is that like
1: that's a common theme for people who are truly in recovery
0: and when you think in an addict's brain like you know living on the street doing this thing how do you how do you think it's going to end do you think one day all of a sudden there's going to be something like oh yeah and then and then it gets better <laughs> yeah no, no it's I mean not it, yeah. it, it, it's a slippery slope but it, it, it's just going down it, it, it never goes up yeah,
1: there are two outcomes like we've talked about before either yep. you get you get sober and and live a life of recovery or you die yep those are those are your outcomes.
0: So, I mean, that's, I don't, I, like, I was thinking about it on the way down here, and when dealing with my addiction, uh, yeah, it, there, there's a fight every day. Mm-hmm. Some days it's with a first grader, and some days it's with a UFC fighter.
2: You know, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, right, that, right, that, right.
0: but and it runs that range. Yeah. Some days it's like, I don't even think about it. It's just like, oh, I'll just push you over. I'm, I got this one. Yeah. And then some days when real life smacks you in the face, whether it's, you know, a loss of a loved one or a pet or a fight or something like that, then, then, you're, then. The, the old habits come in. It's like, I got to get away from this feeling. This sucks. And what works? Well, I know one thing that works, but I can't do that. So now I've got to sit and process this stuff and figure got, it out. Got to do the hard work. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's what I was doing my whole uh, uh, addict life was running and numbing. I mean, yeah. those, those are the two main reasons that I used it.
1: Yeah. Escapism. Yeah. But, you know, finding healthier ways to do that is the way to stay sober, right?
0: And meditation, breath yeah. work, gym, and pff, stupid communication.
1: I know, right? It's you the know, worst. I mean, you know what I mean? Having to talk to people. With, <laughs> and process feelings. Yeah, stringing and words together. Admit it's... when
0: I was wrong. And, oh, and yeah. You, know what I you mean? don't want
1: to do that. <sighs> yeah.
0: But I'm doing it. I know you are. You're doing and great. I'm trying. and But I'm going to be honest with you, not every day I win. No, those are, those are hard things. Probably for all of us on some level. Yeah. But yeah. But it's that dang communication.
1: Right? You know? We should do a whole show on that, probably. <laughs> yeah, right? But, yeah. And we here, could bring the lovely Leslie in. Okay, so... I like this. I think that'd be great. We could talk about effective and ineffective communication. And
0: I do both. Yeah. And I know I do. And, and I mean, we all do. And <laughs> I don't think I'm a fair fighter when it comes to, you okay. know, fight.
1: We're going to have a, a couple counseling session on communication.
0: Do you think you fair fight all the time?
1: I don't fight. I'm a lover, not a fighter.
0: <laughs> I like what you did
1: there. Actually, I don't think we've ever had a, an argument in five years.
0: But is that normal? No, not at all. So do you think somebody's not telling the truth? Nope. You just get along that well. Got lucky. Yeah, you got yourself <laughs> a unicorn, serious. buddy. I'm serious. Yeah. yeah. But I think some fighting is healthy and natural, oh, yeah. but it, but you've got to
1: figure out a way to fight. Disagreement and resolution. That's Disagreements are inevitable, and resolutions, learning how to resolve things with good communication. Yeah. That's the goal.
0: I think... The resolution part. That, that's the toughie, right? That's the tough one. because in <laughs> Disagreeing my, pretty easy. Yeah. And yeah. my idea is resolution means I win. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not always the you case. You have to do some reframing. Yeah. 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 You know, but I think most people want that resolution. They yeah. want it in, in my favor. I mean, that's the world and society we yeah. live in is that- We're all egocentric. Yeah. yeah. And I once heard somebody say, you know, most people want to hear your opinion coming out of their mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? That feels good. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fight until yeah. you see it my way. Yeah. And sometimes you're just not going to see it both ways. And
1: that doesn't work in, uh, in marriages, et cetera. No. Yeah.
0: Wow, this took a,
1: a turn. It sure did. But you know what? Before we before we get to our wonderful guest, yeah. because I am very excited. We have a unique show today. Yeah. Uh, it was your birthday this week.
0: Yeah, turned 50.
1: Turned 50.
0: Yeah. Woo, 5
1: So to celebrate, yeah? I have two gifts for you. Okay. One is a gift of inspiration. Is it a book? Maybe. Okay. And the second one is a gift of information. see what i did there yeah i like inspiration let's go go inspiration first you can tell i wrapped it myself yeah
0: yeah yeah oh here we go (laughs) what is this what is this it's how you play the game you might know
1: the author brian kilmeade he's a sports writer Uh uh-huh has had in the past had
0: a show on fox sports and things I love it. The, now, yeah, read the subtitle. The Powerful Sports Moments That Taught Lasting Values in America's Finest. So let me tell you why I'm giving
1: you this this book. This is actually one of my favorite books that I have read with my kids. And it's, it's older now. It's probably 10 years old. Uh, but what's great is there are 91 different people highlighted in this book. So each story is one to maybe three pages long, super short reads. And what they talk about is how growing up, Sports played an important role in them becoming a better person. So you read them with your kids and you'll see that the people go ahead and open it up because I highlighted some of my favorite. Go to the very uh, beginning there. I'll let, yeah, okay, there I see you
0: go. Sugar Ray Leonard, John Wayne, George Foreman, Tyrone Muggsy Bogues, Joe Montana. And then inside of you wrote, happy 50th to a good friend, a true optimist and a great man who makes the world a better place. Love you, pal. Matt.
1: Yeah. I want you to enjoy that book and maybe read it with your kids. I highlighted some of my favorite stories in there. My very the very first story is probably my favorite. Uh, go ahead, and that is Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. You even have Simon Cowell. So some of the people in the book are not athletes, right? They're uh, actors, they're politicians, they're they historical were by figures. Athletes? Well, no, their sports experience growing up inspired them to become a better person, and so each of the stories are different.
0: We got Rudy Rediger.
1: yeah, and and it taught they taught just talk about how playing sports was
0: a healthy
1: thing for them to build their character. So I thought, and and I love it because that's one that my kids would remember that we would sit down and be like, let me let's read a story. We'd pick somebody out of there and read their story. It takes five minutes, you know, and. And you get a little inspiration. So did you, you also
0: give me a prescription card?
1: <laughs> I did because that was the only bookmark I could find in my clinic. Oh, <laughs> so it's 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 gives you a discount on uh, prescriptions. ED stuff?
0: Yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah. So cool. there you go. You I don't just just so everybody knows. Discount. I don't need it. But right. Yeah, right. You know, we, you know know we know that um, everything's cool in that department. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> All right. Now yeah. I know we got to get going, but here's here is. Here's the gift of information. That was, that was inspiration. I love it. Thank this you. This is very information, much. what to expect in your 50s. Oh. We're going to do some 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 healthcare. All right, let's do this. Updates. And it's not all bad. Okay. Actually. The first one's pretty good. Brain health. In your 50s, your brain will function uh, at you have 25% more positive brain function than you did when you were <sighs> you have more than you did when you were 25.
0: And plus, I'm sober, so I've been up at thirty-five I, to forty percent. Hard, yeah, I get yeah,
1: it. Yeah, and uh, it may dip down a little by fifty-five. But to preserve your brain power, they do say that eat a Mediterranean diet, fruits, veggies, whole grains, healthy fats.
0: Have you seen the thing on Netflix? My mom called me. And it's either called the green zone or the blue zone. And it's something about. Green the, zone, I think. It's the Mediterranean island. Yeah. And they've got all these people that their health functions in their 50s are amazing. They're living wonderful lives. Yeah. And, and they're I've all living to that. like in their hundreds because of this Mediterranean diet. Yeah. Because it's just so. It's good very, for the body. Yeah.
1: And you like olive oil and canola oils and those kinds of things. We think, oh, fats we should cut out. But no, actually, those are really important.
0: If we call my mom right now, she would say, you're not eating meat with nitrates, are you? And I'm like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> like
1: hot dogs? <laughs> or yeah. 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 Well, mental healthless. Nearly 95% of people who are 50 or older say they're satisfied or very satisfied with their lives. And, 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 and I would, you want to know some of the factors on that? Yeah. And you're going to like this one. People who avoid heavy alcohol use are among those
0: very satisfied. I was just talking to my camera guy about it today. And like we were talking about alcohol and I was like, I don't even miss it. And I go, what's crazy now is that for the first time in my life, I'm comfortable in my skin. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything to add to make anything more enjoyable because I know that I can have fun without it for the longest time. I didn't think I could have fun without alcohol. Mm -hmm. And here I am five years sober and have had some of the best times in my life and they've all been alcohol free. And it's given me this self of, and you remember them. I remember them, <laughs> but, I, but I, I feel comfortable. I mean, yeah. I, for the oh, first time in my life, and I've spent the majority of my life in front of a camera or a microphone. Right. This is for the first time in my life that I feel comfortable in my skin. And, you know, I, I think
1: some people might be listening and be like, oh, come on, because you don't sound like you're uncomfortable in the past. But most people don't understand the level of stress, anxiety, self-consciousness that a person who is in the public eye goes through because they think, oh, that just must be a fun, easy job because you make it look fun and easy.
0: 30 years ago, I needed you to like me. Yeah. Now I want you. But if you don't, okay. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. That's a big difference. It sucks. But I I, I can't live my life needing you to do something because Mm -hmm. that's out of my control.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's. That's growth, right? Yeah. Maturity. Let's let's just hit a few other ones. Um, this you'll like this one because you're you're into the gym. Uh, you lose a lot of muscle faster, but if you lift weights and do strength training two to three times a week, which you double that then uh, you'll hold on to your lean muscle mass much longer. So you're good to go on that.
0: I just went to the doctor. That also helps
1: with bones, which is also going to start to go down.
0: I'm taking vitamin D right now. Got the vitamin D. I just went to the doctor and had my blood work done. Yeah, how was it? my blood pressure is... I'm getting mine tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my blood pressure is good. Like right now, Mm -hmm. I'm in... And and I'm not just saying this because I turned 50. I'm in better shape now than I ever was in my 40s and 30s.
1: That's amazing. That's good. That's great.
0: Like I feel
1: great yeah uh i might be the opposite but you know maybe we'll work on that we'll work on it we're working on it tomorrow roads traveled that's right uh your heart yeah, heart attack risk goes up after 50 but if you aim for at least 30 minutes of activity even short walks per day mm-hmm. then you can stabilize that okay. and don't smoke cigarettes i don't good you used to though yeah and did you know that it takes about a decade to restore your lung how long have you been off cigarettes 15 years 15 years mm-hmm. how about how, lo- how about cigars um a year a year yeah okay well see you're on, Every you're once on the in right a while track I'll have one okay yeah that's different than heavy that's yeah, No. Daily not, yeah, not, yeah it's the cigarettes that really get you because yeah. cigars you don't suck them down no. in your lungs. yeah hair let's do one more well let's do two more vision uh yeah your the lenses in your eyes get stiffer and you just got to get readers. They're, they didn't have anything hopeful. Really right now,
0: me and my girlfriend have the perfect eyesight. Yeah. I can see stuff far away and she can see stuff up close. And so when we're watching TV, yeah. I'll go like, what does that say on that phone? And she'll read it to me. Yeah. And when we're driving, I'll be like, hey, that's your turn. <laughs> that, that, so,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. That's exactly how Ashley and I were until like this year. And then she starts borrowing my readers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, last one hair. Uh Oh, it's going to start getting thinner and falling out. Turns
0: gray. I haven't told you guys what I'm doing? No. I'm going to Turkey. I'm going to Turkey to get hair transplants. The country of Turkey. Yeah. To get hair transplants. They're 70% cheaper in Turkey. There might be a reason for that. No, it's because I looked it up. They're flooded with uh, hair surgeons. And so competition, (laughs) they are. You can Google it right now. Turkey gets flooded with hair surgeons. They've got more hair surgeons. They have a hair loss epidemic in Turkey? They have more hair surgeons in Turkey than they know what to do with. And that has caused competition. And that has caused competitive rates to go down. So here's my thought right now. I've got my buddy, Kaleo, Chris. Draco's and then there's two other guys that are gonna go over with us. Yeah, we're I'm putting them out on blast right now. And we're gonna go over there and it's twenty five hundred dollars. That's all? That's all. To get plugs. Yeah. Okay. And so then they do it and then my thought is if it works, awesome. Yeah. If it doesn't, I got to go to Turkey.
1: I've I've actually always wanted to go to Turkey, so that'd be that'd be cool. That'd but be I'm, worth. It I'm right telling there. you right now. What's a plane ticket to Turkey?
0: I don't know. You got to fly to Paris and then over.
1: That's fifteen hundred easy.
0: So I'm thinking I can do this for about five grand. And yeah. I've talked to my girlfriend. I've talked to my kids. Yeah. And they're like, "You really want to do this, Dad?" And I you go, could
1: have some of that Mediterranean diet while you're yeah. over there. Yeah. but see,
0: I just need it right up top here. Yep. You yep. know what I mean? There I've you got go. Like- yeah, but that it's not too bad. Like if I was Jewish, a yarmulke yeah. would figure that, you know, cover that right up. Well, you could convert. Yeah, but I don't know.
1: There's a lot of other stuff you have to yeah. do. Yeah.
0: And so that's what I'm thinking. And so yeah. within the year, I'm going to Turkey. I'm going to okay. get a hair transplant.
1: All right. I want you to preview it for me in case I ever need it. Right now, I'm okay.
0: Okay. No, you got a great head of hair. Yeah. If I had your head of hair, I would, I would sell all my hats. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Josh has got a great head of Josh. hair.
1: Well, Josh is just all around sexy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I may want to go to Turkey with you. I just want to supervise this process and enjoy the Mediterranean. It could be cool. They got a cool soccer league over there where crazy things happen. Really? Yeah.
0: They say Turkey's cool.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm down for going. I just don't want anybody putting plugs in my head. Flooded with hair surgeons. Flooded with hair surgeons. I feel like there's a medical school issue there where they maybe should be divvying people up into different specialties. Okay. Before
0: we get to our guest, and she's an amazing guest, (laughs) I just want you to pick up your phone. Pick up my phone. Yep. Yeah. And just Google. Google. okay. Just Google all right turkey all right. hair transplant and see what pops up.
1: Turkey hair transplant. I hope it's a picture of a turkey with a hair transplant. That would be amazing. It. Oh, look at that. You're right. They say. Oh, it's crazy. I've been doing a lot of research. They say, don't get your hair transplanted in Turkey. <laughs> no, they didn't see say that. Luck, up to 99% hair transplant retention.
0: Yeah. That's good.
1: Uh, that doesn't even make sense. I don't know that they did. They got the English down on that one. but I should have never yeah. given it to a doctor. Yeah. I'm going. <laughs> I got a cheap hair transplant in Turkey. I won't tell you what it said after that. They look, they look good, though. Away, you got yeah. some guys that look good. This guy looks like uh, C-3PO. Why is his head gold? Do they think, make
0: your head gold? And think about it. If it doesn't work...
1: It looks like the C-3PO.
0: No, that's just the shine from the light. He's bald. <laughs> oh, okay. Brianne, I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. Uh, thank you for sitting through our nonsense. Of
2: course. This because is good.
0: the story you've got to tell is a story of you and your beautiful niece. Yes. Candace.
2: Yep. She mean, she means a lot to me.
0: And Candace's whereabouts right now are unknown. Correct. And she's been missing for how long?
2: Almost three years.
0: FBI have been involved.
2: Yeah, when she first went missing, um, there was a high probability we thought she was being trafficked, so they got involved with that. Um, as the investigation went on, um, like I said, we don't know anything 100%, but they they believe that um, she may have made her way back out to Tooele, where she's from, and was just hanging out with a crowd of older people and
0: and from there we're not sure yeah. we're going to find out about Kenneth's story and brianna's story you're listening to project recovery stick around welcome back to project recovery a podcast about addiction more importantly it's about recovery i'm casey scott that's dr matt woolley you know dr matt when we started this podcast we wanted to focus on the recovery aspect of addiction right yep unfortunately not everyone's story Ends in recovery.
1: Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people's don't. And our show does try to highlight people who are in recovery. They've made it through that whole process, tell their story. But we, we do have to highlight the fact that it's a serious problem to the degree that many people do lose their lives or become lost in their addiction and never really recover. And that's that, that's something we're working to rectify. But it's still a reality.
0: I don't think a lot of people think about it when they start dabbling in alcohol and drugs that the currency you're using is your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I mean nobody it, tells you that.
0: Plain and simple. It's your life. Yeah. They, you know, they, they could tell people like, you know, you can have a beer and chances are you might be OK. Mm-hmm. Chances are you might be an addict and you don't even know it yet. And it's gambling, right? It is gambling. Yeah. And so our guest today is Brianna and her daughter, Candace. Not daughter, niece. I'm sorry about that. It's all good. But But she 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 helped helped raise her.
2: She was a big part of my life. I helped raise her.
0: So how does the story of Candace, Brianna, and everybody begin?
2: So Candace, we brought her into our care. She was an infant. So her dad, which is my brother, um, and her mother... Um, got into addiction, so therefore they were not able to take care of Candace and her brother. So my grandparents actually took them in, and I remember when they brought her home and her brother, and they were deciding, you know, like, can we do this? And I remember looking at them, and I said, you know what? I said, I'll do whatever I can to help to make sure... These kids, you know, are always loved and safe. And so, like, I've always kept that promise, and that's why, you know, I'm her voice.
0: And so you brought her in, and you raised her. And uh, her dad now is currently in recovery.
2: He is, yeah. He had actually three years of sobriety. Um, This whole situation with her being missing from walking out of the youth center, um, it's definitely affected our family in way more, you know, bad ways. And my brother struggled, and I'm proud of him. He's, he's been out of prison for, I think, almost three, three years now. He did have a relapse over this whole thing. And uh, I was proud of him because typically when he relapses, it turns into this horrible, like, six-month cycle of a binge that ends up in prison. But this time, he actually took control of it and checked himself in somewhere.
0: Before it got to prison.
2: He did, yeah. So he was there for four weeks and 45 days, and now he's home.
0: And I think that just emphasizes that addiction is a family disease. It is. Uh, I think so many times us as addicts think, what do you care? This is my body. This is my life. I can do whatever I want with it. I'm not making you do drugs. I'm, But... It's the selfishness of the disease speaking uh, because it is a family disease. It affects everybody.
2: It does. And I remember him. I mean, he dabbled with drugs young, just like Candace did. So it's like this whole revolving thing that I'm witnessing, you know, of him and his childhood and his teenage years and his adulthood and everything that put him in prison. I mean, he was in prison most of her, like basically pretty much all of her childhood, but it was all... Because of drugs.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why aren't you an addict?
2: <laughs> so I'll I'll just tell you this. My mom was actually an addict. Um after her and my dad divorced, she got into meth at 38 years old. So I actually lived through addiction with my mom as well. And I actually left when I was seventeen. And so I always I always think because of her addiction, I, I'm not an addict because I feel like if I wouldn't have seen what she went through and like me as a child, like I remember I hung around kids in school that were dabbling too. And you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm not, I've seen my mom, my brother. And so I walked away from it at 17 years old. And I think her addiction kind of saved me in a way.
1: So even, so that's an interesting point that you bring up because you have a brother who's an addict, you have a mother who's an addict Um I assume are there other members of the family, extended cousins, grandparents, people that where it it, it's an issue?
2: I mean, not really. Um it's just kind of stems from there. My other brother, you know, he did drugs a little bit, but he 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 never had to go to rehab. I mean, he's a very successful person and never got him. My point (laughs) being
1: sort of similar to the Robert Downey Jr. comment, it's um, you may carry that predisposition towards addiction genetically, but mm-hmm. because of what you saw, you made a choice at a very young age not to start down that path. Exactly. And sometimes in our families, we don't know how strong that genetic predisposition is running exactly. if you have generations of people that are choosing not to do that. Yeah. So so you're a great example of kind of what Robert Downey Jr. was saying, but on the front end, you were saying, I'm going to make that choice to not go down that path. Exactly. And if we can pass that sort of information on, that's, again, like what you were saying, Casey, it's that gamble, you know, the the generation after you and after them. Like if they understand that this runs in our family, it could get you. You might want to start with making the right choice in the beginning.
0: Yep. Yeah. So let's move on with the story. Uh, And we can't tell Candace's story because it's Candace's story.
2: Exactly let can let's, only tell you what I know.
0: Let's tell Breanne's story, and let's talk about how it affected you and what you saw. Because I think a lot of people at home uh, who listen to this podcast are loved ones of addicts and trying to figure out how to navigate that world, whether I'm, I'm enabling, what am I doing? And so what did it look like for you and your family?
2: You know, it was it was really hard. So when she started dabbling with those drugs, I mean started with marijuana and then you know then it's at meth. what age
1: what age do 14 you think? 14 she started yeah. using marijuana
2: so when she started doing the meth my my mom so my mom's been in recovery for 13 years now so
0: that's she, amazing it is good I'm for very her. proud yep. of her
2: um so my mom took control of that situation very quickly because my mom was taking care of like raising her at this time and she actually moved to wyoming with uh, my other brother and his wife and they took care of her for cuz she was there i think a year but she ended up going she got in a little trouble up there but she ended up going to a treatment there they have some really good treatment centers there for juveniles in Wyoming and she did well and she came home and she did good for a while and then just back at it you know dabbling again and then And you
1: said meth what age did that start?
2: 14 so she may have like tried the marijuana at 13 but it it was like 14 she dabbled, and then it was like, boom, right when she hit 15, it was like, she's a completely different kid. Mm. Not the same. And, and one of the
1: things that's so detrimental that kids that age don't understand, and maybe a lot of parents don't understand, is you have such an important amount of brain growth and development happening you. at those early teenagers. It's another it's another springboard in your brain development just like infancy mm-hmm. and uh you start wiring your brain for addiction when you start using at that young
2: age yep so i've learned a lot so she had that she had that trauma right she had that i don't have my mom i don't have my dad you know and her mom never come around and and i i respect her for that her mom's actually in recovery doing very well and i'm proud of her too
0: you told me something when the microphones were off uh, about her mom and you said some people take this information good some take it bad but what did you tell me
2: i told you that sometimes when you're in rock bottom addiction the best thing you can do is distance yourself from people that you love because the people that you love don't want to see you like that
0: and so you felt that she loved her daughter so much (laughs) They didn't want to traumatize her anymore. And the best thing she could do for her was was stay
2: away. She just said, I'm not a good, I'm not a good fit to be around my kids. And she was right, you know? And so Candace always had that, like she wanted that mom and it doesn't matter like how much love this, this kid had so much love from Mm -hmm. so many of us, but when you have to raise like your niece, it's not the same kind of love. It's not like, yeah, I was a fun aunt too, but. You know, like grandma and grandpa are different. We have to discipline. So it's different, right? And no matter how much love you give them, you can't replace that emptiness in them. So when you said running and numbing, that's exactly what she was doing, running and numbing. So, I mean, she ran away several times, like from these treatment facilities. And that's exactly what it was, running and numbing. She had that emptiness that she was trying to mask.
0: And it sounds like you were trying to do all the right things, getting them in, getting her into treatment centers, mm-hmm. setting up boundaries, doing all these things, but it wasn't working.
2: So y- you just have to, you have to be ready to, to put your mind to it and be done with it. And she just wasn't. And so when she, her friend took that car and she got that felony.
0: Okay. So let's walk everybody through that. Cause you told me that off air.
2: Yeah. So in the state of Utah, when you're a juvenile and you commit a felony crime, you go into a system called Juvenile Justice System, Mm -hmm. called J.J.S. So she actually went in there for the felony of taking the car, the joyriding, and that's when her addiction spiraled out of control.
0: Why do you think so?
2: Well, because she goes to this treatment facility and she's meeting kids that are, I mean, gang affiliated. We got all kinds of heavy crimes that these kids, you know, have committed and they're in there. And so basically a lot of them suffer with addiction at her age, right? They're all in there together and none of them really want to be there, you know? So they're running, they take off together and they're running all over Salt Lake City downtown.
0: Like the Lord of the Flies. Yep, hanging out with the homeless. You know,
1: school for criminals, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) that's the same thing prison ends up being for adults, but I think it's probably even more so with teenagers because- When you're a teenager, what's the most important thing? Social, you know, Mm -hmm. meeting other people. And these other people are in there for similar issues, and so they learn from each other. So that, from a treatment standpoint, being a, a person who works in treatment i work with teenagers a lot that's a hard thing to overcome how do we provide them treatment without them learning bad behaviors from each other it's a and it's, it's a quandary. true
2: and they 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 run and so that's how she learned the streets you know
1: so they escaped from the facility yeah, and and- my
2: brother when he was in active addiction he was never like he was like he would disappear you know out and Like, way far away from us. Like, she's out running Salt Lake City, downtown, you know, getting drugs. People's giving her drugs. She's 16 years old. And, you know, I don't even want to know how she had to get them. You know, yeah. they
0: say, and it's a it's, it's stupid way of thinking, but they say it. They go, you want to become a better addict, go to rehab. You want to become a better criminal, go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because that's where you're getting your true yeah. lessons it and, and you're learning. I mean, some people go and get rehabilitated. Some people go and get better. But there's another faction of people out there that don't want to get better, and they're just taking this to buy their time yeah. or to get them off the streets or to keep their parents off the back so they can go back and hit them up for more cash. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's a big population of addicts out there that know how to work this system yeah you know and 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 will manipulate it and use it just like any other addict yeah Yeah. and so i think that's interesting i
1: think we should pause though for a second and talk about like this highlights a real major issue and we don't know how much she was involved in this like you just said but how does a 15 16 year old live on the streets and get drugs without income and so that's a big problem in, in it, like you said, off the air, it's an ugly, ugly world, Casey, that uh, sex trafficking yep. is a big part of not just for girls, but for boys as well um, of those ages. So yeah. when you see teenagers on the street, you need to understand that there's a lot of risk going on there besides what we might think.
2: There, that's our, actually our most vulnerable population right there sure. for sex yeah. trafficking. I've, I've been involved heavily with all different levels of law enforcement, like high undercover law enforcement that do sex trafficking stuff. I mean, they told me that's your most vulnerable population right there. Like those predators actually pry on those, those juvenile systems because they know those kids that come jumping over those gates or out those doors, they know they're broken, they're addicted A lot of them don't have family that care about them. And that's another thing, you know, like Candace had like friends in there that she told my mom, can this person come live with us?" You know, like her, their mom and dad's, you know, in, you know, into drugs, dad's in prison. So it's like.
1: They don't even have a support. It's like they
2: could take those kids. Nobody's going to look for him. You know what I mean?
1: How many, how many rehab programs, juvenile justice programs do you, do you know how many she went to?
2: She went to several like I know at the top of my head four I mean they had her in Ogden they she was gonna go down to St George she never did and I know the Odyssey house was a struggle for her because I'll just put it into this term and maybe Casey would understand but when you got an addict and is it is it really a good idea to put an addict in a like a facility where there's a, like a liquor store right there?
0: No, I mean,
2: like right in it'll be right in your walking distance because that's that was her right. That's Odyssey House right downtown. So it's like, oh, there's my running and numbing right there. That's where I get my stuff to numb, and it's right it, there. I can see it. Like,
0: it's not the best, but it's it, it's what we have to work with. I know. Right. Where I went to recovery. There was a bar across the street. Some of the therapists <laughs> yeah. will tell you exposure therapy is a therapy that's very useful, Could and be. so I mean. I'm well, you have to do it the right way, yeah, yeah. you do you know and, and, and no, it's not but and
2: with kids too, it's like they're kids, so it's totally different too, you know
0: Now she's at Odyssey House, and uh she's running a gun and gunning, and what people don't know is that could this could she leave it anytime she wanted, or was there checks and balances
2: I mean they said it was secure but in reality it's not i mean she had a she had an ankle monitor on and here's another problem too is right like <laughs> so they they get these a lot of the problems that they'd say when she'd run away too they tell my mom well she did, she didn't charge her ankle monitor so we we couldn't ping it and it's like okay well you got all of these troubled kids that can't be responsible or make responsible decisions so we're going to put them in these facilities where they don't want to be there and they're going to leave the first minute they can like they're they not going to willingly charge their ankle monitors i mean you know we probably should have somebody in charge of that but i don't know how the system works i don't sit there and watch it so i
1: don't know the details of ankle monitor <laughs> <Yeah>. charging but <laughs> no, I, will, I, mean? I will i will say that you know it, it's a you had mentioned off air something that is very true that there's a a higher, a higher need for helping uh youth who are into crime and drugs Mm-hmm. Then there are people and facilities to support it, and uh, you know the, it gets into like how do we create, how does the state get involved, how do private agencies get involved, do how can we pay people enough to provide quality care? It's a it's a it's a tough situation, and unfortunately, um, I think depending on the people in charge of a particular facility right. at a particular time, things may fall through the cracks. But I would agree that it sort of makes sense that. Uh, I suppose if I needed to have an ankle monitor and it was up to me to charge it, I can
0: promise you I'd probably forget. Yeah. (laughs) I know I would and all my kids. And I'm not a teenager anymore. (laughs) Bram, tell me about the second to last time you spoke with Candace.
2: So the second to last time I spoke with Candace, it actually was not good at all. I was very upset. She was, she come home for a visit. She relapsed. She, she was high. She was. Stealing money out of her brother's wallet. You know, I just, I kind of lost it on her. And was I, you meth know, I was always her drug of choice? Um, Was meth. And then I, she ended up trying heroin too on the streets and dabbled with both of those. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I was yelling at her. I was super upset with her and um, it wasn't good. And I, I was actually outside and the neighbor come over and he's a really good guy he he loves our family but he'd come over and he's like is everything all right you know and I'm just glad that after that I was able to see her like two or three weeks after that she'd come home for another visit and I remember when she left she got up gave me a big hug told me she loved me that was the last time I seen her
0: so what happened or what do you know
2: where like where whereabouts could be.
1: Well what happened once she she came home she gave you that nice hug and I can Mm -hmm. tell that meant a lot to you because you're feeling emotional and it's a very emotional story we appreciate you being so open about it. What do you know happened after that for her? She she left your house and then what happened?
2: You know and then she actually she ran away after that I mean that kid was. Did she make
1: it back to the facility? She did
2: she actually was found by a library square worker that was worried about her and actually pulled all those body cams and watched that. That was really hard to watch, but, um, she actually had an overdose. And so, um, she went to the hospital and spent some time at primaries. Um, her liver was struggling at that point. And so they, they put her in DT three days after she left the facility. So she had, I think like two and a half weeks of sobriety on her after that, time in june she ran and she was there 24 hours and left and then that's the last time she was seen so july 15th of 2021 and that's another thing too is that was the most worst time to have to deal with that because 2020 you remember the law enforcement and then we had the pandemic we lost so much law enforcement salt lake her case is in salt lake and i think when they transferred her case to homicide in 2022, I think they had a total of like seven detectives left there. And I, I'm talking seven total for the whole Salt Lake city, you know,
1: mm. Wow. Crimes. And they, why did they transfer it to homicide?
2: Um, so in the beginning of her investigation, it was kind of heavily believed that she, you know, was trafficked. So when you pull up her name, you'll see a lot of that. That got pretty wild. We actually sent um, undercover teams to L.A., Vegas, um, just all over looking for her. like Like, we had undercover teams. And then, as more, actually hired an investigation team, too. So, about a year into the investigation, they had found that they believed that somehow she made her way back out to Twilla with a group of people she, she knew there. And so... Um, we don't know this a hundred percent cause we don't have any proof of it, but they believe that maybe she was with these individuals and overdosed and they all kind of panicked cause of her age and, um, maybe did something with her. So at that point they felt like they had a, you know, enough reason, like they needed to move it to homicide. And I remember the detective telling me like, you know, I don't know if this is what happened to her, but. I think there's a possibility, and I think we need homicide detectives working this. So, um, it's been in homicide since 2022, and it's now registered as a cold case in the database.
1: Mm. And those, I assume, they tried to question the people that she was. They with did. So and-
2: there's a there's a handful of inf- individuals that were brought up, and the detectives. Took them all in for interviews, except for one, because one has skipped out of state. Mm. Um, two of those people did not pass a polygraph test. so I don't know which two. Um, they don't give me a lot of details, but...
1: Has anyone been charged in the case?
2: Not yet. Not yet. So basically, they told me that they performed these polygraph tests with an examiner there and asked straightforward questions about Candace, like, do you know Candace? Do you know what happened to her? Do you know where she is? And he said one flat out failed and the other one didn't really pass. So
0: so, we're, we're... so I
2: think that's where they left it at. I think that's where we're left at. And so you can't arrest somebody for failing a polygraph test. So that's we, we don't have hard evidence.
0: So you do whatever you can to keep Candace's story alive. Because on the other side of that coin, we don't know for certain.
2: Right. We don't.
0: And there's got to be a little bit of hope. There is. You know, I mean, there's, I don't know. She's
2: out on Salt Lake, probably, like, I don't want to say it and I don't want to think about it, but I'm sure she sold herself for some drugs. And who knows, man, she could have wound up with the wrong person. She could be in another state. I have no, you know, you just, you never know.
1: And, it, and today she would be how old?
2: She actually just turned 19 um, July or January 12th. Okay. So she's 19 now.
0: And so why do you feel it important to share Candace's story?
2: I think that all addicts should listen to this story because when you're in rock bottom um, addiction, how many people do you associate yourself with every day using drugs that have your best interest? Probably not very many, right? So if you were to overdose, are those people going to help you or are they going to leave? And so, that actually happened to one of my best friends. You know, she's she'll be clean eight years. You know, this month. But she told me a story about how she overdosed one time. She was a heroin addict, and if it wasn't for her friend being there to call nine one one, everybody else, Bill, you know, she she wouldn't be here today to have her sobriety and. I think, unfortunately,
1: does. that is a very common thing. And yeah. um, what do they say? There's no honor among thieves. I think there's very little honor among addicts right. in the sense that you're right. I think people are there to use together, but not yeah. really having each other's best interests in mind. Um, if It sounds like it's possible that she's even here in the state of Utah somewhere still. Right. Um, you never know. How, how would people... If they saw uh, somebody on the streets that maybe fit her description, what would they do?
2: So they can actually call the Salt Lake City Police Department. If you actually Google her name, Candace, it's spelled K-A-N-D-I-S and then Harris. It'll pull up so much stuff. You can can actually find her flyer and it has her case number on it. And you can call Salt Lake and report it and they'll look into it. And
0: I'm sure we'll put it on our Facebook and all our social.
1: You've brought a cute picture of her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that, yeah, I love yeah. that picture. And
2: we'll or... put that up too. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, send you a flyer that has her case number and everything. And...
0: and after hearing that story, you can understand why your brother um had a little bit of a relapse. I mean
2: He did. And it's and a lot
1: it's a lot to I can't even I have a daughter and you have two and yeah. you know, you can't even imagine.
2: I think that um we all hurt in my family. Like every day it weighs heavy on us, but I always think of him because I he probably has the most guilt, you know. And that weighs way, way heavy on him. I, you know, he tells me, "It's my fault." I'm like, "No, oh, it's not. There are things, you know, he could have made better decisions, but, you know, it's it's not all your fault." No.
0: Well, I, I mean, it's just so much to process.
2: Right. But we can all learn a lesson from Candace because I think Sometimes we have the whole world in front of us and we don't see it or appreciate it. You should always appreciate, you know, who you have here and when they're here because life's fragile and they can leave. And you should always appreciate when they're here.
0: In recovery, gratitude's the attitude. I mean, that's what, you know what I mean? And, and you're right. I think a lot of times well, we don't realize what we do have. Exactly. And a lot of times we're searching for what we already have, but we just don't realize. We don't. You know, for love, unconditional love, family mm-hmm. support, you know. And, uh, you know, I think Dr. Matt said it, you know, those those early years, that 14 years, that's instrumental in our brain mm-hmm. growth. And yep. if we start abusing alcohol and drugs at that early age.
1: Um, well, you know, the term is you wire your brain for addiction. So whether you're predisposed or you're not, you start to train your brain to want those substances more than they want other things. And your brain's very impressionable is another way to say it at those young ages. So, um, you know, I feel for your family so much. I'm sure it is weighs heavy on you, like you said, every day, but I also love the fact that you're willing to take your time out. And, you know, this is the middle of the day and we, we, it is not lost on us that people make sacrifices for their time and their schedule to come and tell their story here. And in this case, this is our first time we've really highlighted a case where a person is their their whereabouts is unknown yep. and the last time we knew they were still in active addiction but I hope that people will take several messages away from this um, but but I love your message of you know be grateful for the people that you have in your life when you have them right. you know and um, open your communication as much as you can with your kids if you're struggling with with any type of addiction, um, maybe the best thing you can do for your kids is work on that for yourself Exactly, and, uh, and appreciate you coming today. Very oh,
2: much. Of course. It's an honor. Thank you. And Candace
0: is, is, is kind of here right now. I mean, she's sharing her story. She and is. She's sharing a story of woe and help and thoughtfulness and she's, she's out there and hopefully this will end with a good resolution.
2: Yep. And if it don't, then I'll try to turn a nightmare into something beautiful, and hopefully we can help somebody else, you know? Well, thank you Keep so much. She'd to help, so. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And it's thank you for
0: listening to another episode of Project Recovery. Uh, we do appreciate it, and it means the world to us. And so if you're out and about, take a look, have a little love, have a little empathy. and uh, I some- would
1: encourage people to check out our Facebook page to see a picture of Candace and, uh, you know, you never know. You you might you might come across and save somebody by being
0: aware. Right. I'm going to go home and hug my kids. That too. Exactly.